Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. Battle for Unborn Life continues in Kentucky. We're going to be talking about it on Faith and Freedom. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me is Holly Mead. Well, the battle continues, Holly, for life at the Kentucky Supreme Court. Oral arguments were recently heard, and they were presented by the state's attorney general and their solicitor general. The state attorney general is a great uh, official there in Kentucky. Oh, yes. And... This individual um, that presented the case did a great job with the Attorney General's office. The legal challenge is now before the Supreme Court started initially in a state circuit court in June of this year regarding Kentucky's two abortion facilities as plaintiffs, the EMW Women's Surgical Center and Planned Parenthood filed suit. And, you know, just to lay a little foundation here, Matt, you know, we celebrated, of course, on June 24th when Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey were overturned. I mean, that was a historic day. But as a result, they sent the decisions, appropriately so, back to the states. And so now you see these different battles going on in the state. And here, Kentucky is an example with these abortion facilities going after their pro-life laws. Yeah, so Kentucky had a trigger law and then a six-week abortion ban law. And the trigger law is a law that was designed to come into effect at the point in time when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. And that's what happened after Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood versus Casey were overturned. The state's trigger law would come back into effect. But the state also had an additional law that banned abortion after six weeks, which is essentially the time of the heartbeat. That's when the heartbeat is detected. Some of these bills are called heartbeat laws. This is essentially a six-week abortion ban law. So that would ban abortion at roughly the six-week or the time of the first detection of the heartbeat. Uh, The trigger law uh, in Kentucky criminalizes abortion in all circumstances except in medical emergencies that threaten the life of a woman. And the six-week heartbeat law bans abortion after the six-week, typically when the heartbeat is detected. And, of course, we would, you know, promote all abortions should be banned, you know, because the babies, from the moment of conception, you have a human being, but it's a process, step by step by step, and you can't get discouraged in that process. And even in the six-week abortion ban laws or the heartbeat laws, uh, people generally don't know, a woman's not going to know typically that she is pregnant until around that time. Mm -hmm. So uh, this particular law would cover most abortions. At any rate, these two abortion facilities filed suit under the Kentucky Constitution, because they can't use the U.S. Constitution anymore in light of the Dobbs decision that says there's no basis in the U.S. Constitution for abortion. And Liberty Council filed an amicus brief in this case also. Yeah, so we filed an amicus brief on behalf of the Frederick Douglass Foundation, which is an African-American organization and foundation that goes back to honor Frederick Douglass, and then also the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, the NHCLC, Uh, Collectively, we're talking about tens of thousands of churches, African-American and Hispanic. And the reason why we filed on their behalf is to 
press forward a particular argument that we actually presented at the United States Supreme Court in our amicus brief that was actually cited by the United States Supreme Court in the Dobbs decision, and that is that abortion is based in eugenics and racism. And that's not something you hear from the left, but it is the fact. Well, the eugenics-based decision of the abortion industry is very clear. Mm -hmm. If you go back to the original founding of abortion and prior to that the forced sterilization and then you have abortion coming in you have first of all forced you have sterilization then forced sterilization then you have contraception then you have abortion and margaret sanger was at the forefront of all of that and the reason was is because she shared the viewpoint of charles darwin Mm -hmm. And others at the time, including Adolf Hitler and many leaders in the United States, including some people that were on the United States Supreme Court. And that is that humanity needs to be weeded out. You need to eliminate certain categories of people. It's like they thought they were gods themselves and could decide who gets to live and who doesn't. It's interesting that uh, those that were pushing this, they are, they quote, the preferred stock. And they want to eliminate those that are the aboriginals, uh, the mm-hmm. lower class, uh, the human weeds, as they would call them. It's despicable. But it's clear what they wanted to do is to eliminate certain categories of people. They wanted to eliminate African Americans. They felt that they were lower on the human evolutionary chain. They wanted to eliminate other minorities. They had a preference for Northern Europeans. And in fact, if you go back to our first immigration laws, why is it that we had immigration laws that preferred white Northern Europeans? And we had, remember the Chinese Exclusion Act? Where did that come from? That came from excluding certain Asians. And then we didn't prefer Southern Europeans. And obviously, we didn't prefer those that were Jewish. So these laws, these immigration laws, they were based upon this Darwinian evolutionary idea. Racism. It was racist, and it was eugenics. And the reason why the United States restricted certain categories of people from coming to the United States is, number one, first, you wanted to eliminate those so that they did that through sterilization, forced sterilization, later contraception, then abortion. And now that you're eliminating those, you don't want those to be coming in. So it's like you're bailing out the boat of water. You don't want more water coming in. As crass as it sounds, that's why these immigration laws did what they did. And why did they do what they did? Because the people who testified in Congress were promoting this Darwinian evolutionary idea, and they wanted to create a better human stock in the United States and consequently eliminate some that are currently in existence and keep out those who are not. Well, it had devastating consequences in the 1930s and 40s for the Jewish population. I'll never forget uh, Turing Yad Vashem in Jerusalem, the Holocaust Museum, where there is a picture and there's some live footage or footage of taken when it was live Mm. of a ship that left um, Europe filled with Jews that were fleeing the Holocaust. 
They came to different ports. They landed eventually in New York, and the ship is docked at the, at the dock, and the portholes are open, and the people's faces are looking out of the portholes. Mm. And that's the live footage. Then there's a letter from a member of Congress in Ohio, a famous family name, and was writing to the president not to allow these Jews to come in because they'll take our jobs and they have other issues with the Jewish people. They thought they were trying to dominate the world. There were all kinds of things that were presented regarding them that were negative and false, including Henry Ford, who was anti-Semitic. All of this was fueled by Charles Darwin's evolutionary model. So there was a whole movement. It's not just what we see in Nazi Germany when they tried to eliminate the Jews. That was based on that ideology. Planned Parenthood and abortion was also based on the same ideology. And that's why they put these abortion or clinics, originally contraceptive clinics, into these minority neighborhoods. You and know, why today that's where the vast majority of these Planned Parenthood abortion clinics are located is in primarily black and brown neighborhoods. And, you know, you just reminded me going in that museum in Israel and seeing those piles of shoes and oh, all my. the things they, they did to the Jewish people. And you just want to go, how, Lord, how could people do this to other people? But then you turn around and say the same thing with innocent children. How, Lord, how can people do this and kill these unborn children? Because you could do the same thing with these little tiny baby shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is a startling visual when you walk in Yad Vashem in Jerusalem. I've seen that at a particular pro-life walk that I was a part of. They had a whole table full of baby shoes, and they had the parents who had decided abortion, and then they went through counseling afterwards. They wrote notes to these babies that they lost. But to see that visual of all those little baby shoes piled up, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Um, so that's the roots of abortion. And so we filed this brief to really bring to bear what their decisions are impacting and where they're rooted in what abortion really is. So pray for this case. We're filing in multiple states and we'll continue to file as these cases go up to the highest state court levels. For more information, go to Liberty Council's website, lc.org forward slash life. You've been listening to Faith and Freedom brought to you by Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Get informed and get involved today. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org.